on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I am Sebastian Salazar. Great to be with you on what is our final show here in the United States before we head to Qatar. Uh, Herc, what are you wearing over there? Uh, this is a commemorative shirt of the well, Commemorating what? The first championship of the LA Galaxy, which I was a very small part of. I was 19 mm -hmm. years old. I wasn't really a part of it. I was just happy enough to be on the roster. But the very first one, and they invited all these players from that 20, I'm uh, sorry, 02 team, 2002 team, to what game was it? A game versus who do they play? I don't even know who they played. It doesn't matter who they played. Right. Uh, it was all about the halftime show and honoring the 2002 pre -half team. Pre-half and post. That's, that's how. <laughs> but 20 years, can you believe that's crazy? Very cool. Uh, very cool Galaxy gear. I got my uh, Louisville City represented here of the USL Championship. We'll be talking about them mm -hmm. a little bit later in the show. Uh, as we mentioned, Tuesday we head to Qatar. Football America's <laughs> live every single day, Herc. 4 p.m. Eastern time with a few exceptions uh, on ESPN+. And, of course, if you want to listen to the show, you can listen to it uh, in podcast form as well. Lots coming up. We had a huge win on Sunday, Herc, for the U.S. Women's National Team. The Canadian roster uh, is out for the World Cup. And we have some Americans doing some damage uh, as the club season closes ahead of the World Cup. But we got to start with the big news Monday out of Mexico as Tata Martino has dropped his 26-player list. Uh, big news, not a big surprise. Raul Jimenez is in, that despite the fact that he hasn't played in almost three months. As we look at the uh, goalies, Memo Choi, your starter, heading to his fifth World Cup. Cota and Talavera, the backups. Nestor Araujo, Jesus Gallardo, Gerardo Arteaga, Hector Moreno, Jorge Sanchez, Johan Vasquez, Cesar Montes, and Kevin Alvarez, your back line. A back line that features three European-based players. Uh, much more European influence in the midfield. Eric Gutierrez, Orbelin Pineda, to name a few. Alongside Hector Herrera, Charlie Rodriguez, Andres Guardado, Piojo Alvarado, Edson Alvarez, Luis Chavez, Uriel Antuna, and Luis Romo. And then up top. The big guns, Chucky Lozano, Rogelio Funes Mori, Henry Martin, the aforementioned Raul Jimenez, and Alexis Vega. Um, well, since we had some Chivas players on the Mexican national team, if things go south, we'll know who to blame. Uh, what about the final cuts, guys? Those who didn't make it, the snubs. Diego Lainez, the 22-year-old winger, uh, on that list for sure. He's been on loan uh, at Braga from Real Betis this season. He's had some highlights with the national team. Got a goal, of course, against the United States in the Nations League, but uh, minutes have been tough to come by for Linus at the club level. Also left off the 26-player list, although a potential injury replacement for Raul Jimenez, is Santiago Jimenez, the 21-year-old striker who moved from Cruz Azul to Feyenoord earlier this year. El Bebote, the joint top scorer in the Europa League. Somewhere, a tattoo artist just lost some business. For more on that, we're thrilled to welcome into the show Mauricio Pedrosa. Uh, for those who don't know, Mal, give us the quick story uh, with you, the tattoo, and Santiago Jimenez. What was the bet? So, um, great to be on Football Americas again, you guys. Uh, on Football Americas and on Ahora o Nunca, when the whole hype about Santiago Jimenez was reaching its highest point, I told everyone, he's not going to start. Herc was saying, kept saying, he's going to be a start for this team. And said, I will bet you that if he indeed starts a game for the Mexican national team in Qatar, I will get a tattoo with his nickname, El Bebote. I even told Santiago Jimenez that I was going to get it. I asked him, where should I get it? So he even jumped on mm -hmm. the bet. I was right. Not only he's not going to start, 
he's not going to be a part of the roster. So on that side, it's a good day for me. Because I'm not, not going to get any more ink. No more ink for Mao. What a disappointment for the uh, for tattoo now. parlors all across Los Angeles. So let's talk about Diego Lainez, Mao. Mistake for Tata Martino to leave him at home? Yeah, this is the biggest mistake he has made in the three and a half years that he has been the Mexican national team wow. manager. And here is why. Because this is the biggest contradiction that we've gotten from Gerardo Martino in his tenure. Over the years, over this three and a half years, Gerardo Martino has made it very, very clear that the player that he trusts the most, whenever you have to change the pace, the dynamic of a game, the player that he trusts the most is Diego Lainez. And for the biggest competition, regardless of the minutes that he sees or doesn't see with his club, he's leaving him out of the World Cup. I cannot buy the argument that Tata Martino is trying to sell that sadly Diego Lainez doesn't have enough minutes because when he didn't have any minutes with Betis, he was still calling him up, calling him up. Not only that, he was giving him valuable minutes for the Mexican national team. So at this point, and even Tata Martino has said this, there is no other player who has had a bigger impact coming off the bench in the last three and a half years than Diego Lainez. So in my book, this is the biggest mistake Gerardo mm. Martino has made so far. Yeah, you know what's crazy? If you go back to that graphic, it shows that he's a top five player in all the stats for the Mexican national team, except for minutes played under Tata Martino, where he has the fewest out of any player. So it goes to show you how productive he is in the limited amount of time. Now, look at this. Fewest minutes, 642, but everything else, he's top five on the team. That is insane to me. He, he says that he's not playing right now that he, he can't justify a call because he's not playing? How do you justify Rogelio Funes Mori who wasn't playing? How do you justify Raul Jimenez? Newsflash, Diego Lainez has more goals, more assists in the last month than Raul Jimenez, who most likely if it will be the starting nine for the Mexican national team. Diego Lainez versus the U.S. men's national team in the CONCACAF Nations League final. Mm -hmm. Almost retired Tim Ream. Tim Ream, who today is on that flight for the U.S. Men's National Team, captain of Fulham. Almost retired him, scored a goal in that final. Comes off the bench against Panama. In an Azteca, draws a penalty kick to win the game. Costa Rica does the same thing. This is who he is off the bench. And Tata Martino, as Mao has said, has stated it over and over and over again. He's a different player coming off the bench. So in my eyes, he's the first player off the bench. He's player number 12. Why isn't he on the list? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Go ahead, Mal. Yeah, I was going to say one last thing. Uh, this is obviously not confirmed, but it was said that uh, Diego Lainez was competing against El Piojo Alvarado for that final spot, the 26th spot in the national team roster. In no world, in no <laughs> parallel <laughs> world, <laughs> in no Marvel world, Piojo Alvarado is a better player than Diego Lainez. In no galaxy has El Piojo Alvarado had a bigger impact in the national team than Diego Lainez. And what concerns me the most, and we'll, we'll talk about this when we uh, touch on Santiago Jimenez's topic, how can this affect a player in the future? He's mm. already had to deal with the fact that he doesn't play much. Now when we all thought he was a safe bet, to be on the roster, how does this affect 
his motivation moving forward. Big, big concern. Big, big disappointment for not having Diego Lainez in Qatar. Bad for the team, bad for the player. I think bad for the future of Mexican football, right? This was a joven promesa. This is a guy who Mexican football was really high on, was really counting on. A World Cup could have relaunched his career, and this is definitely a player that needs that. So for me, it's a missed opportunity there. And to, to the point that you guys are making, what other player has this profile, right? You have other players who can come off the bench and give you speed. You have other players who can come off the bench, and we'll talk about them in a second, who are maybe final third connective players, can make an assist, can score a goal. But but one-on-one -on -one specialists, I don't think that exists on this current Mexican roster. So to not have Lainez go, um, not only are you leaving a good player off, you don't have anything else like him. Now, real quick, do you think it's the end of the road for Lainez? Do you think this is it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think he has a great mentality. I think he can bounce back. Uh, he only... I want the people that manage his career to understand that he has to find a place where he's a starter, where he's an important part of a club. If that Is that place in Europe or soon, Mexico? Then it, at this point, it doesn't matter. Mm. At this point, it doesn't matter. If he has to come back and play in Mexico, then so be it. So be it. But he has to play out, if he wants to have the career that we all believe he can have. All right, so it won't be Diego Linus. Let's get into the other options to be that, that first attacking player off the bench. Let's stay away from the number nines. We're thinking more wide players, maybe central uh, attacking midfielders. There you see the, the options. Herc, I'll start with you here. Oh, no, I guess I'll start with Mao. Mao, who is your best attacking option off the bench if Tata Martino needs a goal late in a World Cup game? Uh, Uriel Antuna, he's a playmaker, and under Gerardo Martino, under that system, he has shined. He has been fantastic. Uh, I even tweeted the other day when uh, Mexico was playing Iraq, and I know Iraq is no parameter to uh, make up our minds if a player is good or not, but for some reason, whenever, whenever he has the jersey of the Mexican national team on, he transforms himself in this amazing player. He has proven it already. I thought he actually had a very, very solid season, uh, season at the club level. I hope that translates at the national team level, for, but uh, from what we've seen so far, it has to be him. If it's not going to be Diego Lainez and we need a substitution for either Chucky Lozano or Alexis Vega, number one option has to be Uriel Antura because he has done it in the past under Tata Martino. Herc? I, I'm, I'm just shocked that Mouse turned over a new leaf on, on Uriel Antuna. And he's, amazing, amazing is, is un poco exagerado. Huh? Amazing oh, 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 with But the he's absolutely team. right. I mean, there are a few players. Hold on. There are a few players who transform themselves when they put the green jersey on and there's a cape in the background, you know, a and the cape. silhouette. Oh my but that, that's what it is. Look at the numbers. <laughs> look, if you talk Diego <laughs> Linus, Alexis Vega. Watch the games. Don't Olympia look at the numbers. Nada. Watch the game. No, Seb, this is a numbers game. What can you do for me? And he's done it for Tata. You look at his stats, 10 goals, 10 assists, in under 2,000 minutes for Tata Martino. I mean... The unofficial games, okay, the friendlies, he doesn't do his damage in those. He does them in the Nations League, he does them in World Cup qualifying, he does them in Gold Cup, official games. He transforms himself and say what you will, but there's something to be said about that. And I agree, the first substitution has to be Uriel Antuna because every game we've seen him play, when everyone's talking about Diego Linus has to be the man at the Olympic level in Tokyo, it ended up being Uriel Antuna who outshined him. This player, for whatever reason, 
The green shirt comes on, he comes on. I'm not uh, picking on Tuna. I think we all agree Alvarado is the last guy on this list, right? The, the last of the three oh, yeah. uh, that either of the oh, three yeah. of us uh, are putting in the game. I'm going to go with Orbelin Pineda, okay? I'm going with Orbelin for a few reasons. Uh, one, he's playing every week uh, at a decent level. I'm not going to pretend I'm some uh, Greek league expert, but he's playing every single week. He's scoring goals, not recently, but he scored some goals early in the season, so he's got that element to his game. I like what he can do in terms of connecting in the final third. He doesn't just have that one asset to his game, which I think is the case for both Diojo and Antuna, just their speed. I like Orbelin for another reason as well, and it's something Hercules Gomez said on this show. Remember how much, Herc, you talked about the MLS players suffering for not playing games. What about the Liga Mekis, guys? What's it going to be, like a month for Antuna? Five weeks for Alvarado? A little over three okay. weeks. Okay, well, Pineda's coming in hot. He's coming in in perfect European rhythm. Isn't that worth something here, Herc? It's worth a lot, Seb, and also one thing to your credit, your point right here, Orbelin Pineda is like one of these uh, uh, Swiss Army knives that yes. you can use in so many different situations. You need somebody in the midfield, Orbelin Pineda. You need somebody out wide, Orbelin Pineda. You need somebody as an eight, Orbelin Pineda. Uh, double pivot, Orbelin Pineda. He fixes a lot of holes for you. All right, uh, let's get back to the forwards because that's what everybody wants to talk about. The question here has the F word in it, a four-letter F word. And I hate this word, fair. Is it not fair for Tata Martino to take Santi Jimenez to the World Cup? Now, what do you say? It is not fair, but roster construction is not based on fairness. Mm. Fairness is not an element in which a manager will make a decision to include or not to include a player. It is not fair for Santiago Jimenez to not be a part of this team. But the more I think about it, the more I get it, the more I, under the more I want to understand it. And here is why. Either Santiago Jimenez, if, if Santiago Jimenez is a part of this team, chances are he will barely see any minutes. Option number one seems to be Henry Martin. Option number two, no doubt it is Rogelio Funes Mori. Although, although I think there's a big chance that Rogelio Funes Mori will start against Poland Ugh. next Monday, uh, next Whoa. Tuesday, I mean. I, I think there's a big, big chance. So at this point, I feel like if we're going to fight about the third option, doesn't really make any sense. The only argument that I'm trying to sell right here is Something that we heard from Juan Carlos Osorio. Santiago Jimenez will be the number nine of the Mexican national team for the foreseeable future. There was a justification for including him in a 26-man roster only that, he, only that he experiences what it's like to be a part of a Mexican national team in the World Cup. That's my point. Now, is it fair? No, it's not fair. But I don't think managers use fairness as an element for considering who's seen and who's out. Injusticia! Injusticia! It's not fair! And you saying you don't even want to argue because he's going to be the fourth forward? You just argued for Diego Zainis, who's going to be the 26th man on the roster. Listen! That's, that's, listen, oh, that's different. Listen, Mauricio Mai, our colleague at ESPN Deportes, is reporting that Santiago Jimenez, El Bebote, is the only player on the roster to get two phone calls to his camp. One, Tata Martino and that coaching staff to Santiago Jimenez, and in another one, Jaime Ordiales, the sporting director, 
to his father to explain the decision. That's how unfair this is. They needed two phone calls to try to explain this because nobody can explain it. One forward couldn't even lift his leg during a warm-up. His club team got so angry, they sent him back to England to check on him. Another forward was injured all season in Rogelio Funes Mori. And when he's played with the Mexican national team, has not been any good. The other forward, Henry Martin, was very good in Liga MX, which ended three weeks ago. He's the leading goal scorer of the Europa League. He's got a moment right now, and he can offer you something in the future. It's so injusti it's so unjust. Injusticia, injusticia, injusticia. That's why you got two phone calls. See, I think, I think Funes Mori over Santi Jimenez is, that is not fair. Mal, go on, quickly. All right, real quick, this is how unfair it is. The argument that Tata Martino was giving for not calling him up is that he, he doesn't see a lot of minutes with Feyenoord. What did Feyenoord did over the weekend? They started Santiago Jimenez as to say to Gerardo Martino, here he is. There you go. He can start for us. It is very, very unfair. Even his club knows that. But Tata Martino has this sort of commitment to Raul Jimenez in which he was going to wait until the last minute to include him. Now, was there, was there a scenario in which you could take four center forwards, four nines? I would say there is with a 26-man roster. That's why this is even more unfair that Santiago, uh, Santiago Jimenez is not a part of this team. He goes to Europe. He's co-joint top scorer, right, of Europa League. Like, that should be enough to get him in. And then think about what Funes Mori has or hasn't done. Played eight games in World Cup qualifying, over 400 minutes, one goal. Funes Mori has had the chances that Jimenez hasn't had. And Funes Mori, like, to me, never, ever took, took advantage of it. And even if you go up the and Liga Mekis numbers, injury. he had, okay, fair enough. He had, what, four goals this season once he returned from injury? No, but that's injury? what I'm saying, and he's coming off an injury. I'm adding to what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Four goals for Funes Mori this season. Santiago Jimenez had five. I would say he played half the season. He didn't even play that. He had played five games in the Mexican <laughs> League. And, so and, and I, let I, it I wonder what through. data <laughs> we're using here. I wonder, wonder what's the tiebreaker that in any way finds Funes Mori uh, ahead of Jimenez. All right. Let's choose between the two snubs. Who will be missed more, Mauricio Pedrosa, in your opinion? Santiago Jimenez Diego or Lainez, Diego Lainez? Oh, sorry, sorry. I jumped, I jumped ahead because... <laughs> well, it was so obvious. You and I, Seth, you and I are, are the founding members of the Diego Lainez fan, fan club. Uh, but, I mean, the answer is truly simple. Diego Lainez has been an important part of the Mexican national team for the past three years. He has made an impact on the team. He is the first sub. Santiago Jimenez is not yet at that level. And I honestly believe there will come a time during the World Cup in which Gerardo Martino will turn to his bench and go, oh, I made a mistake. I was this, this was the right situation for Diego Lainez. He's not right here. I'm so tonto. I'm so dumb. <laughs> and that might not be the case with Santiago Jimenez because he will have either Henry Martin, Rogelio Funes Mori, or even uh, Raul Jimenez. No doubt, is Diego Lainez. He will be missed. Uh, producer Rafa, I need, a, I need a, a gif of that right there, please. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, I do agree that it's going to be Diego Lainez. Uh, mm -hmm. Can I add this, though? A little food yeah. for thought. Uh, and you have to realize this. When it's a Summer World Cup, when you go to the World Cup as a player, you end your season, you have a whole three weeks, maybe even longer, for a camp 
to get yourself going with your teammates. Here you don't. So form is absolutely necessary. So while you have Raul Jimenez, who's not played, Rogelio Funes Mori, who's not played, and Henry Martin, who's not played, you have a nine in Santiago Jimenez El Bebote that's playing and playing at a high level. That could be something that Tata Martino will miss and can, it can be considered a huge mistake come down the road. Yeah, if we're, if we're asking who the bigger snub is, I think it's pretty clear it's Jimenez, right? But we didn't word the question that way. We say who will be missed more, uh, and I think it's pretty clearly Linus for the reasons uh, that you guys state. Mexico always needs that guy off the bench, right? You always need that. I always go back to the uh, Cabrito Arellano back in 1998, that, that desequilibrante player who can break down an opposing team. Clearly Mexico missing Diego Linus, missing Santiago Jimenez. And guys, I'm just thinking about 2026. And I know Tata Martino is not thinking yeah. about it, but I have regrets when I see both of these guys uh, will be missing the 2022 World Cup. As you guys mentioned, Raul Jimenez facing a race against the clock to get healthy. So a health update on Jimenez should be a good thing. Let's hear from Julian Lopetegui, his new manager at Wolves in the Premier League. Uh, I have sent messages with, with him. I have spoke with Raúl about his situation with the with the national team with Mexico, and um, I am worried about him because he doesn't play any minute in with his team, his Wolves. And now I am worried because uh, we, we we need uh, all, but we need Raúl fit and in the best version. And I I hope that he's he's going to come back here. In, in this way, because uh, the most important thing for me is no, okay, I respect a lot all the situation, is no, the World Cup, it works. So we, we have to, to, to defend our, our aims, and I have spoke with him, with, of course, with all the respect of the decision of the player and the decision of the, of the coach. But uh, uh, above all, for me, it's works. Speaking of versions of Raul Jimenez, is this version, Mao, who hasn't seen the field in, what, 10 or 12 weeks, worth the wait for the Mexican national team? Not for me. I don't think so. Because even if he hadn't had this uh, very, very tough injury that he's trying to recover from, I don't think there was the clear-cut evidence that he should have been the starter for the Mexican national team. Even without this injury, I believe there was controversy or a competition for who should start against Poland because he hasn't been any good in the last year and a half. And that's just the reality of the matter. Raul Jimenez, after his very, very tragic accident with David Luis, has truly struggled to recover not only to get to the form that he was before the accident, anywhere near that. So now that he not only was not at his best form, or he's suffering for it from a very, very tough injury, I believe it's a waste of time. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll wrap by saying this. Someone inside the national team told me this. If things go south, if he tries to force things, the risk of having to go through surgery after the workup and missing the rest of the season with his club is high. But he knows this, the manager knows this, and they're going to put all the eggs in the workup basket regardless of the risks of what might happen if things, and I knock on wood, 
goes south with this injury. That's the reality of things, is since the unfortunate incident of Raul Jimenez and David Luis, he's a shell of himself. Uh, of that form, for 18 months where he was considered one of the best strikers in the Premier League, essentially one of the best strikers in the world, but his career has only been those 18 months where he's been at that level. Before and after, he's not. It's not been world-class type of player level. Um, the last time that Raul Jimenez scored a non-penalty kick goal for the national team, 2020. 2020, two years ago. The last time he had an assist for him, mm -hmm. almost around the same time. Now, I've got in front of me odds for Golden Boots at the World Cup. Raul Jimenez plus 8,000. Okay? Unless he's planning to Better score. Better be a lot of penalties. All penalty kicks. <laughs> that's not going to happen because that's the version that he has shown us. And I was right. There were serious doubts whether he should be the starting nine. And, and Tata Martino, to clarify those doubts, said he's looking for different things out of his nine. Not so much a goal-scoring presence from his nine. So I agree with Mal here. We've not seen the best version of Raul Jimenez. We may not see it this World Cup. And if he is there, is to play, it's because Tata Martino's thinking maybe you can help him in the back end of the group phase. And if and only that. Yeah. Uh, one thing that Mal says that stuck with me is he's not anywhere near that. If he was close to the player that he was pre-skull fracture, you would be this, this would not be a question. Of course he would be worth the wait. But Mao, as you say, he's not yeah. anywhere close. And I think you talk about the biggest mistakes uh, in Tata Martino's time in charge of the Mexican national team, leaving Diego Lainez off. I think his stubbornness here with Raul Jimenez, his, his unwillingness to let go of the player that Jimenez was before the injury may go in the books as the biggest mistake of them all. Because one, he's going to end up maybe counting on Jimenez yeah. and, and, and wasting a roster spot for the World Cup, but imagine all those qualifiers, all those other opportunities that were wasted on Jimenez where you could have been giving him to, I don't know, a guy like Santiago Jimenez, so then he could prove that he was worthy of a spot at this World Cup. There were so many minutes wasted waiting on Raul Jimenez to come back, and it just never, ever happened. And that, to me, uh, is on Tata Martino. And if I had to sacrifice Raul for Santi uh, at this point, as a fan, and no if doubt. you're asking me who, who I think gives Mexico a better chance to win, who's a more goal-dangerous player, I'm putting Santiago Jimenez way ahead of, of Raul Jimenez on that yeah. list. Let's talk some history now, because there's some significant history surrounding this Mexican national team. Not just Andres Guardado, but Memo Ochoa are both heading to their fifth World Cups. They uh, joined the fame. Tota Carvajal, legendary goalie of the 50s and 60s, and Rafa Marquez is uh, previous Mexican players to get to five World Cups. Of course, uh, Marquez doing it in 2018 in Russia. Uh, Mao, it's kind of an odd statistical anomaly. Is this good or bad for Mexican soccer? <sighs> It is bad for Mexican soccer, and I'm sorry to become the party pooper here, but I mean, here's, here's the fact, here's the fact. When a player like Guillermo Ochoa and a player like Andres Guardado reach the fifth World Cup, it means that Mexican soccer was unable to come up with more talent to compete for that spot, because this, this is not Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo who will also play their fifth World Cup. But we are talking about two of the best players in the history. Definitely the two best players of, I was going to say their generation, but for many generations. That's not the case with Guillermo Ochoa and Andres Guardado. Mm. I think it's not great news because it means that 
you're not developing talent that can that can compete for those spots. Yeah, that that's the issue at hand here, right? You don't see countries like France, you don't see countries world powerhouses that have this type of player that are mainstays for five World Cups because the talent is so good at such a young level that's pushing out the veteran talent. That's not the case here. It's great for Guardado and for Guillermo Ochoa. Like, what an accomplishment. Five World Cups. I mean, not many players can say that, but when a country already has four, it goes to show you just how long in the tooth it is and how much it hangs on to those heroes, to those idols, and they can't let them go. And, and, and how much is not developing because they do a great job of winning youth tournaments, but that doesn't mean you develop youth players. It doesn't mean you develop good professionals because after the U-17s, heading into the U-23s, those players go on to their club and they don't play anymore. Zero players under 23 years of age in the 2022 squad. That blows my that's, mind. That's bad, bad, yeah. How big an issue is that, Herc? Are we under maybe stating the value of, of experience? Won't Mexico, being uh, one of the oldest teams in the tournament, won't that benefit them somehow? Uh, <laughs> I, I guess they won't get as nervous. I, I mean, if you were an older French team, I guess they wouldn't get as nervous. But if you're a team that's never won anything, I mean, it's great to go on seven straight World Cups into the next round, but Mexico goes on to the next round and loses. It's going to be un fracaso total. That's not going to be a successful tournament. It's going to be quinto partido for them. And I've said it, and I'll say it again, Seb. The World Cup is a young man's tournament. Mm-hmm. You're going to play three games in, a, in nine, ten days. Uh, you have to be physically fit, mentally fit. You have to be ready for whatever rolls along. And you're going to have to be deep. This Mexican squad is talented, and- yes. Technically talented. Tactically, they've got some very good players. But they're very long in the tooth. And one injury to a big player or fatigue comes in or, or whatever the case may be. And you're going to really get tested there. All right, uh, so there we have it. Uh, Memo and Ochoa also- and Andres Guardado headed to their fifth World Cup. Uh, quickly, Mal, last word to you. Real quick, this means that when the World Cup is played in Mexico and in the U.S. in 2026, there will be zero players, 26 or younger, with World Cup experience. Mm. And that's a problem. Oof. We told you. Tata Martino may care about this version of the Mexican national team, but uh, I don't think he cares too much about yeah. future versions. <laughs> of El Tri. Mauricio Pedrosa, thanks as always for the time. We will talk to you We'll be watching. Qatar. Proud of the work you've done with Football Americas. Enjoy Qatar, and I'll be rooting for you guys. Safe, safe travels. My man. There he is, Mao, one of our uh, very, very best friends here on Football Americas. Catch him over on well, Aronuka He's a colleague. With her. Uh, let's run it back. El Tri style. Chucky Lozano with an assist in his second straight game, Hurt. You know, I, I got in a few of those assists. Those were always my favorite assists. Just give it to him. And then, look, it's a bad touch, but he cleans it up nicely. I'll take that. Napoli beating Udinese by a final score of 3-2. to two. Chucky started, played 60 minutes. His third assist of the season in Serie A. Napoli, by the way, eight points clear of second place. From Italy to Belgium, uh, Genk, Gerardo Artiaga, the left back, scoring in the 53rd minute. And 21 minutes later, Herky got sent off. Uh, I don't affect him for the World Cup, though. No. You know how many times he scored that exact same goal, though? He's got two this season. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Ricardo Pepe kept off the plane to Qatar, but not kept off the score sheet this weekend. Pepe with his sixth Eredivisie goal of the season. It came on Sunday as Groningen fell 3-2, Herc, against Fortuna Sitar. It's a good goal. Takes it with the right foot, which is not too common here. Most strikers take it with the left foot here. He opens up the body. Nice finish near post. Keeper going the opposite way. He's just feeling it right now. Three days after the disappointments of being left off the team. Here's Pepe after the game. You weren't selected for the U.S. men's national team. Um, was that a blow as well? Yeah, you know, disappointing because, you know, I felt like I gave myself the best opportunities to be in, in the World Cup roster. You know, I felt like I had a chance, but, you know, also not disappointing at the same time because, like I said, I did my thing. I went out there, you know, I played many minutes, you know, I scored my goals. So, you know, I'm really happy with that with that situation. You know, and at the end of the day, it's a coach's decision that I can't control. Maybe a fair question for you to ask to the coach of the U.S. men's national team. What's there more to do? What's... Like you said, it can be a question, but, you know, after he told me that I wasn't in the selection, then I didn't really... I didn't really, I just had to listen to what he said and I didn't really ask any questions, you know, I feel like once he told me I wanted to flip the page as soon as possible and just focus on the game now and, you know, I can't keep thinking about why I didn't make it or why I did. Peppy post-game there, Herc, is he sending a message to Greg Berhalter? Yeah, when he said that I just listened, I didn't have any questions, that speaks to me of somebody who's a bit angry, a bit chip on their shoulder, in a good way, the mentality. I'll tell you a very quick story. Um, I was a player for the LA Galaxy in 2007 uh, for that offseason, entering 2007, and I got a phone call from the LA Galaxy front office saying Alexi Laws, the general manager, wanted to see me. I show up to Alexi's, to his office, and Alexi uh, thanked me for everything I had done for the LA Galaxy and informed me that I had been traded to Colorado Rapids. I uh, got up, shook his hand, said thank you, and I walked out. Years later, we're working together uh, now in this business model, uh, on this side of the media, uh, or this side of the coin, I should say, and he asked me about that. And he's like, you know, in all my time working as a GM, you're the only player that never asked me why, never got upset. Why is that? And I asked him, would it have, would it have changed your mind? <laughs> he said no. And I said well, there you go. I wanted to be somewhere I was wanted as well. Same mentality right here, Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe wants to be where he is valued. I think he's angry, but he's using it to fuel him, and that's a great thing. So this interview was over the weekend before the rosters, you know, officially, officially have to be finalized, right? November 14th is the day today, Monday, that they're actually due. So maybe he's thinking, and Greg Berhalter did say that there were some guys on standby. Uh, another goal on the weekend. Maybe somebody else gets hurt. His door would open. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. As far as sending a message to Berhalter, though, 
Is there any message like left for him to send? Uh, he made the move to Augsburg, which we're, we're to understand was recommended by the national team and the staff. Um, then he goes to, to Groningen. Greg Berhalter says, hey, buddy, you got to dominate there. He's clearly done that. Um, Listen, and Greg he's not Berhalter on the team. So what, what's in. there left to say if you're Pepe? Greg Berhalter called him in when he wasn't scoring goals. You would assume when he is scoring goals, you would assume when there was a challenge ahead of him and he needed to take advantage of, and he did take advantage of it, he would be there. And that's not the case. So what else can he do? All right. So he's not on the U.S. team, Herc. But what about this? Because if you remember, not all that long ago, there was a choice for Ricardo Pepe. Choose the United States or choose Mexico. Would he have had any shot at making the Mexican national team roster for this World Cup as a number nine? I don't believe so. I don't believe he would have made the Mexican national team as a nine. Not because it's unjust, but because I think Tata Martino looks for certain characteristics out of his nine. And we saw Santiago Jimenez right now. The same thing happened to him, you know. And you know how I feel about Santiago Jimenez. And you once asked me about the two and who I rate more. I think Ricardo Pepe's a very good forward. Is he the forward for a team like the Mexican national team that probably asks a lot more of his nine instead of just scoring goals? No, probably not. I mean, is it, is it just down to that, or, is, or can we just say he's not better than any of the other forwards in the pool for Mexico? Like, wow. would he get in? We put Raul Jimenez aside. Would he get in over Santiago Jimenez? No, you've said Jimenez is better. Would he get in over Henry Martin? Yeah. I, I think, really? In my eyes, I think he's a better player than Really? Yes. One plays, in, the Mexi- one plays in, in Liga Mekis, the other plays in the Red Divisi, and he played in the Bundesliga. And at 19 years age, of age, he was sold for 20 I mean, million. hardly played in the Bundesliga. Well, whatever the case may be, I think there are levels to it. And I, I respect Henry so and everything he's Pepe's done. So you think Pepe's good enough to make, make the Mexican roster? You just think it's more of a, he doesn't fit what Tata wants in the number nine? Correct. Wow. Yes. Okay. You don't. No. You value, think, you value the league Henry, I would, too highly. I think Henry I would have been your over hero Pepe. if I was older Henry and you Martin got to watch over him when Pepe. I was, yeah. I think Henry Martin's a better forward, oh more likely goodness. to score than Ricardo Pepe. Yes. Correct. Uh, did you notice this, Herc? I don't know if it's a coincidence or it's actually something much more important. There's not a single Mexican-American on either the U.S. or Mexico's World wow. Cup roster. Wow. What do you make of that? I don't know how far this would go back because I'm trying to think of Mexican-Americans on either roster. And there was one in, didn't go 2004, or 2018. There was uh, 2014, was there? I'm trying to think. I'm sure there must have been. 2010, there was. 2006, somewhere along from Mexico. It, it, just, it just seems like this year where the Mexican-American player was more sought after and you had more of these fights over these players and more of these uh, courtships, if you will, that there would have been not one but multiple players maybe on either side. You had about four called up for the Mexican national team that committed to the Mexican national team, a few to the U.S. men's national team, and and nothing happened. And maybe that's circumstantial. Maybe it's Ricardo Pepe didn't make it because this happened, because Greg Berhalter values a certain type of player with a certain prototype of league and opponent that he is facing compared to the opponents that he will face in the World Cup. But it's a tough pill to swallow because for many years, I talk about how Mexican-Americans, not only in the sport, but in this country, feel like they're neither from here, neither from there. Ni de aquí, ni de allá. They feel caught in the middle, and and it's a tough place to be. Well, here we are, no Mexican-Americans on either side. It almost justifies or, or strengthens, if you will, that argument. 
especially when you have the likes of Ricardo Pepe, Julian Araujo, you have Sendejas, who's a strong candidate, Brandon Vasquez, you have David Ochoa, Efrain Alvarez, whatever you may think of these players, there's some serious talent here, and to see them not be on either roster, it's a mm -hmm. tough pill. Yeah. You mentioned 2014, Omar Gonzalez uh, on the team there, Thank so you. there was, yes, a, a Mexican-American on the squad. Uh, back then, I think it's mostly circumstantial, Nick right? Nick as well. Sorry, because because there's there's like a, each of these guys has a different story, both in terms of how they're playing right now, where they fit into the national team situation. Um, if there is one line that I think we could draw between everybody, um, international football is becoming like a very condensed schedule, especially this cycle, Herc. Right, with with a year, maybe year plus that we lost to COVID. Any player who is not in the pool for sure, right? If you're a manager of a team, you're saying, this guy is in my pool. I'm going to start planning for him. I'm going to start thinking about his role. If a guy is maybe in your pool, you don't look at him the same way until he commits. And so as these players wait to commit, I think it does maybe put them at a disadvantage when the national team managers are looking at other guys first and kind of developing those roles already in their minds. I'm not saying that it's anything unfair the coaches are doing. But, but you're, you're a little bit late to the game if you have to pick between a side. Yeah, and also when you pick between the side, you're picking with your heart, but you're also picking with your mind. Uh, Julian Araujo, who picked this heart, and I think that's great. Maybe you think, like, Julian Araujo could have been on this U.S. Men's National Team squad. He could have gotten into this roster. Things like that. And you just asked me about Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. Under a certain coach, he could have gotten into the Mexican roster. So I see what you're saying, but I just think anytime you give these coaches the option of saying, let me just cap them and get it over with, and we'll go from there. When you fast-track these players, a lot gets lost in that development. Of the players that kind of fit this description, Herc, for me, Zendejas is the guy that you're like, wow, really? Like, he's not going, especially with the needs for Mexico at that position. Obviously, now we're getting reports. It looks like he is leaning towards the U.S., after the World Cup, but for me, from a Mexican huge, standpoint, huge. What, what a huge player that could have been, especially in light of the Tecatito injury. It's huge for both sides. It's huge for Mexico if they do lose him because he's a very talented player um, that's really opened up a lot of lot, eyes, and it's huge for the U.S. men's national team side because Allah Haji Wright, Allah Luca De La Torre, these players that were part of that setup with Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. Here's another one, Alejandro Sendejas. So that would be a, a huge addition to the U.S. men's national team. All right, let's uh, run it back with the U.S. men's national team who were busy over the weekend. Josh Sargent Herc, scoring his ninth goal of the season on Saturday, and it came against Zach Steffen. Oh, no. Perfect touch. Uh, the touch right here, people think it's a little long. No, this is what you want if you're a forward. He's putting it into space for himself, finishes it off. My man is hot right now. Nine for the number nine. Uh, Norwich lost the game, by the way. They fell 2-1 against Steffens Middlesbrough. Also from the championship, worth noting, Daryl DK back after a long injury layoff. Good news there. To the Premier League, Brendan Aronson with his second assist of the season as Leeds lost a barn burner 4-3 against Spurs on Saturday. Yeah, uh, look at this. Look how he fights for it, though. Just keeps fighting, keeps fighting. Outside the foot, puts it up, and it's a good little finish. But it's it's his willingness to, to fight in the final third, stay active, go at defenders that creates things. Classic Brendan Aronson. Some might say vintage. Uh, leads 15th in the table at the break. Tyler Adams also involved in that game, and he was sent off, Herc, in the 87th minute. Yeah, I don't mind seeing it. Uh, that's Tyler <laughs> Adams. They're sending a message. 
had a few choice words. I mean, he was knocking somebody out like the first, first 15, 30 seconds of the game. He was already like tackling somebody, telling them to get up. I, I love this thing from, from Tyler Adams. It's, it's probably not the smartest play. Uh, you still maybe had a chance at it, but he'll get better for it. Suspension doesn't carry it over to the World Cup. That's all that matters. Christian Pulisic, he came on at the half as Chelsea lost 1-0 against Newcastle. The big highlight for him actually right here, getting shoved by referee Robert Jones. What? Man, my man, my man Robert Jones pushed the right guy. He pushes anybody else. <laughs> People are going to have an issue with it. Christian Pulisic just backed away. I get it. What are you going to do with the referee? But, oh, come on. Christian Pulisic getting into it with the refs. Seven days from the World Cup opener against Wales, sir, because it's something, nothing, or everything. You know, I don't think it's something, nothing, or everything that he got into with the referee. I think it's something, nothing, or everything that we didn't see a reaction from it. I'll explain mm. myself with it. Good Every thing or bad thing? It's good that he didn't react, right? He's got to keep his cool. I think it's I think it's everything that we know Christian Pulisic to be, and sometimes you'd like to change that. There, there are plenty of players, or plenty of pundits, fans, teammates of Landon Donovan that wish that sometimes Landon Donovan would have been a little bit more into the moment and emotional in the right way, right? Like, to think of harnessing that talent. Is that that important? In the right Come way. Come on, you're, yeah. either, you're either a good player or you're not. That's not true. What do you want him to do? What's the, what's the that's, appropriate that's response the, that's the here worst, that's to the a referee putting his hands on Christian Pulisic? That's, that's the worst thing I've ever heard about uh, athletes. You're either good or you're not good. That's, that's not it. Is, there's a huge mental part to this game. I, I've played with much more talented players mm -hmm. that for whatever reason, after one year, Two years, they're done. Three years, right. they're done. Whatever the case may be, you keep going even though they're better players. This is a very good, talented player. And the issue with him has never been his talent. It's been mentally. It's been him being consistent. Now, somebody puts their hands on a Clint Dempsey. I don't care if it's a referee. What do you think is going to happen? Somebody puts their hands on any major player in today's game, a referee, and what do you think is going to happen? I'm not saying go physical altercation on him, but there's going to be a little bit more blood mm. boiling. Sometimes you wish Christian Pulisic had that in him because he has the talent in him. Mm. All right, interesting. Maybe questioning a little bit of the uh, fire there for Christian uh, Pulisic. I think if there's anybody who could benefit from like a refresh, a restart with everything that's going on at Chelsea, there's probably some frustration oh, built up yeah, there, absolutely. right? It, it's him. So uh, I, I always think that in these situations, it's a player who is very much primed. But when I say that, Herc, it's because I think that there's less pressure on Christian Pulisic when he's with the U.S. than when he's at Chelsea. And, and why I say that? Well, we, you see it, right? We saw the arrival videos, Christian Pulisic getting into camp. He's happy. He's a beloved figure uh, in the U.S. camp. Do you think there's, there's less pressure on him with the U.S., even though he is very clearly the guy for Greg Berhalter's team in a way that he's not with Chelsea? I think he's starting to embrace that pressure because of what it means. And you, you said it perfectly, a fresh start. Now, Chelsea's over with. That is done. Get that out of your mind. Whether it's Thomas Tuchel, whether it's Graham Potter, whether it's referee shoving you, you have to concentrate on what is the World Cup. And you have to be somebody different. The great thing about a new scenario is you can reinvent yourself and you can be somebody different. He can be somebody different for the world at this World Cup. The way he's been a difference maker for the U.S. men's national team throughout his whole career. But that's exactly what he needs to do. And when I speak about that fire, I'm talking about this, the opportunity right now, today. Because it doesn't matter how little he played for Chelsea. If in this World Cup he can capitalize and he knows that he will play a lot in a team that values him, with a coach that values him, that could be the difference maker. That could be a uh, game changer. 
Herc, you know how uh, EA, FIFA do their World Cup simulations every four years? Sure. They did the World Cup simulation this time around. They got the U.S. going to the quarterfinals. Christian Pulisic scoring five goals in five games. I'm just saying. Christian Pulisic scores five goals at the World Cup. Producer Beto's getting a tattoo. Left bumpy (laughs) of Christian Pulisic. All right, let's get to the uh, news of the day surrounding this U.S. men's national team who underwent their first full session in Qatar on Monday. 22 of the 26 players taking the field, although the whole team is now in Qatar. Al-Gharafa Stadium is the U.S. training base. Temperatures at the beginning of the training session in the 80s. Let's hear more from Greg Berhalter. Yeah, so we're gradually getting guys in, right? Today we have um, 22 of the 26 players. By tonight we'll have all 26. But first impressions, talking to the guys, they, they like the facility, they like the, um, the hotel, and so it's a good sign. You know, we went to a lot of lengths to make it um, accommodating, to create the type of environment that the, the players are used to, and understanding that we want to be here for a long time, so we want to make it comfortable for them. Yeah, we've been talking to the team for the last 18 months about um, about Qatar, about some um, social issues in Qatar, and we think it's important. Like wherever you know, I, I think that um, you know when we are on the world stage and we are in a venue like Qatar, it's important to to bring awareness to these issues, and that's what be the change is about. Um, you know, it's, it's not just stateside that we want to bring attention to social issues. It's also um, abroad. And, you know, we recognize that Qatar has made strides and there has been a ton of progress, but there's still some, some work to do. And it's just about be the change basically represents everyone's um, individual opportunity to, to make change and to have change start with them. So I think it's appropriate that we have it here as well. Squad numbers are out for the U.S. men's national team. This a big deal? I feel like it is. No, it's not a big deal. No. What number were you? Uh, I was in number nine at the World Cup. But it's wow, not a big deal. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, bro. That's a pretty no, big it's, deal. It's not a big deal. Who gets uh, the number nine this time around? Jesus Ferreira. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. That tells us something, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. No, it really does. It goes by caps. Um, so, you know, that, that's what they're – but Matt Turner, number one, that's a pretty big deal. There I you think, go. I think for a goalkeeper being the number one is a big deal. So, yeah, there you go. U.S. squad number set for Qatar 2022. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Canada has announced theirs. They did so on Sunday. 
First big headline, Alfonso Davies is in. In case anybody was wondering, of course, dealing with that injury picked up while playing for Bayern Munich. There are some injury absences. Uh, Daniil Henry, Maxime Cropot, to name a few. Told, told, there's 11 Major League Soccer players on this roster. Again, uh, John Herdman's team is in Group F alongside Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. Alfonso Davies Herc is uh, one of CONCACAF's <coughs> big stars alongside Christian Pulisic, Chucky Lozano, Keylor Navas, just to name a few. Who do you think is under the most pressure to perform at the upcoming World Cup? Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies is not only the poster child for Canadian soccer, Canadian football, he's the poster child for CONCACAF in general. There, there is no player in CONCACAF that could say, one, they're in the top 50 of ESPN's top 50, right? Uh, but two, that they're arguably in the top three in their position, in the world. In the world, he's the only one. And when you think about the trajectory, refugee camp to Vancouver Whitecaps to Bayern Munich to learning a position in a matter of months and already excelling at said position and being one of the best in the world and being so young, the pressure is on Alfonso Davies. You think Canadian football, you're going to think Alfonso Davies. If Canada does anything of worth, it's because Alfonso Davies took them there. If they don't, it's because Alfonso Davies couldn't get them there. The same way, now, this doesn't mean talent, because when we talked about the most, or the best, I should say, uh, U.S. men's national team player, many, many will say, well, Clint Dempsey could be in there. Landon Donovan carried the torch for so long for U.S. soccer, for so many years, inspired millions and I millions I thought you just said millions. you wanted more fire out of Landon Donovan. Hold on. What is it? I'm telling you, okay? This is where U.S. soccer was at that moment. Alfonso Davies is doing the same, only he's got a fire hose right behind him. He's got a fire hose spraying on everything. Alfonso Davies, everything Canadian soccer, a huge attention light, a huge flashlight, if you will, on him and that team. And if they do anything, it's because of him. You're going Alfonso Davies for the CONCACAF star under the most pressure to perform at the World Cup. I'm going different. I'm going Chucky Lozano because Mexico needs Chucky Lozano and they need him bad, Herc, right? I'm trying to think of Mexico's Gold dangerous players, right? If we go back through all of qualifying, this Mexican national team did one thing. They dominated the ball, but they struggled to not just score, create chances. Now, Lozano was part of that, for sure. But I think what we're seeing now with Napoli is a very different Lozano than the one that we saw in World Cup qualifying. And I look around the rest of this Mexican attack, I don't see Herc. I don't see options as to who is going to create goals for Mexico. I look around the Canadian attack, I see guys like Kyle Lahren, I see guys like Jonathan David, I see guys like Tejon Buchanan, and by the way, with Canada, I can also look back at their qualifying record. They've played without Davies and played in some big games. They beat the U.S. 2-0 without Alfonso Davies. So I think Canada can be okay if Davies oh, doesn't have his played, best World Cup. If Lozano doesn't show up, okay. Mexico's done nothing, nothing in this tournament. Uh, you no, know, yeah, because they did in CONCACAF. They should be fine against, against you know, Belgium and, and Croatia. You're right. Uh, really quickly, uh, re refresh my memory. Uh, who's been this the best player? This is the guy player? who talks about Jesus who's been the best player? four goals against who's Granada. Who's been the best player <laughs> in the past two World Cups for Mexico? Incongruente. 
Who's the best player last two World Cups for Mexico? Memo Chaw. <laughs> Most he, impactful player. There we go. Then he will have to be again the best player for Mexico if they have Tukey. a chance. If Mexico has a chance of advancing and going to the quinto partido, he will have to be. So he's under the most pressure. It's his final World Cup. He has to be the guy. He's under the most pressure because why is Chicharito Hernandez not there in the eyes of many? Well, he has something to do with it. Why? Why? Uh, uh, why all of a sudden uh, was Mexico in the knockout rounds of mm -hmm. the 2014 and 2018? Because of Memo Ochoa. He has to be the biggest player they have if Mexico is going to do something. It wasn't because of Chucky Lozano who scored a goal. Yes, very good goal. Yes. But when you look at the importance of the players, and you said it yourself, all the good offensive moments in the 2018 World Cup, did you not say flow to the feet of Javier Hernandez? Not Chucky That's Lozano. Right. The best moments in the World Cup, the last, two, the last two World Cups, are Memo Ochoa. He's the one under the most pressure. Uh, Christian Pulisic, Kaylor Navas, uh, any thoughts on those two? Uh, I think we've gone through the pressure of Christian Pulisic and maybe at a U.S. level, but under these four, no, probably not. And Kaylor Navas, like, eh, how much pressure can you be if you've already right. got into the promised land of 2014 right. World Cup and right now you're not a starter? I mean, qualifying for the World Cup for Costa Rica was a miracle in itself and how they did in the second uh, half of that World Cup qualifying schedule, uh, I think they've done enough. Tough group for Costa Rica as well in there with Spain, Germany, and Japan. Why don't we take a look, Kirk, at the odds to advance into the knockout rounds for the four teams that will represent CONCACAF at the upcoming World Cup. And look at that. According to the odds makers, the team with the best chance of making it to the knockout rounds, still Mexico, just slightly, just slightly. I agree. Over the United States. I agree. Really? Okay. Yeah. But the best chance to make it to the quinto partido, if they do get out of the knock or out of the group phase, I think goes to the U.S. Would you not agree? Yep. As we've uh, talked about many times on this show, the uh, cruce, the potential round of 16 matchup, obviously a huge factor there. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. From the U.S. men's national team and the rest of CONCACAF, the U.S. 
women's national team who hurt were closing out their 2022 schedule against Germany on Sunday in New Jersey. 18 minutes in, Jule Brand gonna open the scoring for the Germans. Ah, those unis are so sick. Like, ridiculous. Good flat-footed finish. Goalkeeper uh, doesn't see it in through traffic. Take the 1-0. Germany up 1-0 into the second half. Looking to make it two here. Lina Magul one-on-one. Alyssa Nair the stop. Yeah, Alyssa Nair doing very, very good here. This touch right here, too big. She comes out, makes her pay for it. Huge stop from Nair. Why? Because just a minute later, Sophia Smith gets into the box her and does this 1-1 one, one. yeah does that but germany all sixes and sevens at the back just horrendous defending sophia smith she don't care she'll take that the mvp on a roll a few minutes after that more from the americans andy sullivan the long ball mallory Pugh in behind two to one yeah the commentator was going ape uh, emoji after this goal, but uh, I, I get it. The defending is atrocious again, in between two players, bounces way too many times, and then just a nice finish by Pew. U.S. comes back to win 2-1 to one as Alex Morgan celebrates her 200th cap. Here's some more post-game reaction from New Jersey. Yeah, to get the win to end um, 2022 on a high was huge for us, and for me and my 200th cap, um, wanted nothing more than just a win so um, obviously we had like kind of a rocky start um, to this game and they were kind of you know started to dominate a little bit win a lot of tackles and I felt like in the second half we really came out um, just ready to compete and um, completely dominated end to end um, and had some incredible goals as well. Um, I just, I think it's important to just recognize um, that we did have really good moments the other night and that we were unlucky at times, um, that at times we, it also wasn't good enough. So I think it's seeing everything as a whole and not, you know, picking apart the bad. Um, so just fine tuning those improvements we needed to make and kind of staying course to the journey that we're on and not getting kind of off course due to maybe a narrative being written um, because that's only going to increase as we get closer to the World Cup. Herc, it's just a friendly, but how important was this year ending win for the U.S. women? It would have been the first time they lost four in a row in their history. So it's not just a friendly. Uh, regardless of how Germany play or how many changes Germany had, I believe it was six or seven changes, mm -hmm. uh, a few big names off that list. It was still a very good German side that they needed to beat for their own good, for their own confidence. Because I, I truly believe the rest of the world not only thinks they're catching up, mm -hmm. but no longer fears the U.S. women's national team. So it would have been a huge message they would have sent to lose to Germany in home soil and mm -hmm. four defeats in a row for a very young team. Now, it's one thing for the rest of the world to believe it, but when you start yeah. doubting yourself, yeah. that's a whole nother thing. That's why this is so big for me, right? I think the ship has kind of sailed on the rest of the world, Hurt. I don't think the Germans, I don't think the English, I don't think the Spanish, I don't think the French are going to fear the Americans anymore. They're, they're not going to have the U.S. that mental edge that they had in 2019. But for this U.S. team, many of whom have not proven it at the ultimate international level, to be able to avoid the historic four-game losing yeah. streak and beat Germany and do so in the manner in which they did, right? A brave comeback, I think is huge, especially eight months from a World Cup. There's some momentum now. There's something to go into the offseason. And as important as this is her for the team, I think this game was so important 
for Mallory Pugh. She dominated this game. Her. She took over this game in a way that we have seen her do at the NWSL level and in starts and spurts at the international level. But she was the difference maker in that second half. Germany had no response for her. And so now that's the expectation. I'm sure for Vlad Goyanovsky, he's going to say, hey, Mallory Pugh, I need that from you all the time. But also for Mallory Pugh, she now knows that she can dominate, not just domestically, but against the best international teams in the world. She's going to have to do that, Herc, if the U.S. are going to do well in Australia and New Zealand next summer. Yeah, and if I could just add to Vlako Andonovsky and how important it is for him kind of regaining a lot of that confidence mm -hmm. with a lot of the fans, a lot of the pundits, and, and maybe his own players, a lot of those decisions, especially in the midfield, have come back to kind of bite Vlako and this U.S. Women's National Team. It was good to get that victory, like mm -hmm. you said, now heading to a pair of friendlies um, coming soon. Yeah, yeah, they got a couple games uh, in January. Of course, kind of a uh, scouting trip, if you will, as they go to New Zealand to play twice. All three group phase games for the U.S. women's national team will be in New Zealand. Speaking of Vlad Herc, I don't know if you heard this. It kind of came out in the post-match press conference on Sunday night. He's heading to Qatar where he'll be helping the U.S. men's national team. Did you guys have, like, guest coaches when you were with the team at all? Uh, a few, but he's going to go to Qatar to help scout, and I think this makes total sense. Uh, you yeah. know, they're, they're all family. He's got a good soccer uh, brain uh, on him. Um, help scout the opponents, help scout future opponents. It's, it's a very productive thing for, for all involved. Yeah, we've heard from the Federation before that uh, Vladko and Berhalter have, have paired uh, and worked together in the past. According to Glenn Crooks, uh, who's on Sirius XMFC, and Anofsky, as you mentioned, will be part of the team of advanced scouts. So that'll be his uh, primary role, helping the U.S. men in Qatar. All right, Herc, just a few more minutes on this edition of Football Americas. Let's go to some lower-tier football. Liga Mexis Expansión, the final, Atlante against Celaya. Second leg on Saturday, first leg was scoreless. 16 minutes in, Atlante, 1-0 through Cristian Bermúdez. Woo, El Hobbit? Is that El Hobbit Bermúdez? Wow, what a moment. Unbelievable. Where are they now? 47th minute. Acosta. Gael making it 1-1. Oh, uh, you know, you know what I like about this? They're, they're two of the like most historic, if you will, teams in Mexican soccer, of the most historic teams in Mexican football, I should say. 1-1 end of regulation. We go to extra time. Atlante forcing the own goal. Guillermo Allison off his rear. Oh no. Cruz Azuliar for Allison. He took that with him. Oh no. Off his heel. No, it is! Oh no! What do you do there if you're the goalkeeper? Oh no, the Pompeian in. Oh no. Atlante up two to one. And then three minutes after that, they strike again. Cesar Gerardo Lopez Mesa to make it three to one. Uh, it's just so nice when, when you know you beat the goalkeeper and it's only just slide it in, put it in. Lift the trophy, Hobbit. Atlante's first title since they won the Apertura back in uh, 2007 beating Pumas in the final. What about the second division in the United States? USL Championship final on Sunday. San Antonio hosting Louisville, who were my pick to win it all early on. Penalty against Louisville. We're going to the spot. Mitchell Tainter misses, and Herky missed badly. Yeah, ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. Dragged his leg. I didn't think it was a penalty kick. Just before the half, another penalty for San Antonio. Lots of home cooking here. Oh, that's a, that's a penalty. Santiago Patino steps up, not going to miss this one, 1-0. One Roofs it. 
nice and confident. Second half, San Antonio looking for insurance. Samuel Adeniran, 2-0. It's so difficult for a goalkeeper. They usually say two headers in the box results in a goal. There it is. San Antonio heating up six minutes later. Whoop, whoop. Oh, no. Oh, no. Took him for a ride. Beautiful move. Going to finish with Patino, who's got a brace. Oh, that, that touch right there by Patino to bring the ball down with his chest. So silky. Oh, no, goalkeeper. Louisville. One is the loneliest number. El gol del honor, Brian Ownby, to make it 3-1. to one. But San Antonio, your USL championship final winners. 3-1 to one over Louisville City. All right, so, Herc, we just saw the finals for their respective second tiers in the United States and New Mexico. Which country do you think has a better second tier? I'm not even going to say country. I'm going to say the USL has a better second tier. Okay. It's just a reality. I mean, you look at the Liga de Expansión, and I understand both are closed systems. There's no pro-rel. Mm -hmm. I understand how devastating that is to the grassroots and the ability to to, if you will, develop new talent, develop not only new talent on the player side, but maybe new uh, aspiring talent in ownership groups, in front offices, et cetera, et cetera, in fan bases. You look at Liga de Expansión, uh, they're supposedly not closed. They still have pro rel for a select few. Uh, about four teams can be promoted if they've got a big enough stadium, if they've got, I don't know, all these crazy uh, rules and regulations to get promoted. But... All it's turned into is a Mexican graveyard for players mm. that were once somewhat primetime players in Mexican football. We just saw El Hobbit Bermudez on that list. At one time, he was a big player for Club America. Atlante, who at one time was playing in the Club World Cup against Barcelona and started off winning against Pep Guardiola, Lionel Messi's Barcelona in the Club World Cup. That gave them a run for their money. You won't see cases like that because... You won't have that. Now, on the USL side, you've got much better ownership groups. You've got better projected plans. New stadiums sprouting all the time. New franchises coming about. You can find franchises or, or potential franchise owners in, in Mexican football at that level because they don't want to come in to a system that they know means very little. And now USL is talking about its own one and two pro rel within their own USL. It's much more... Uh, room for advancement, growth in the USL level on all levels. You're talking about growth from the ownership side, but also growth from the development side of the domestic player in the USL. I don't think this is close, right? No. Like, we talk about how far USL championship has come in just a few short years. Um, it's a league that is really, really in a boom cycle right now. I'm so impressed. I mean, I think just to like five, ten years ago, kind of what that league was. You know, Herc, you were in it, what, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Um, so you can tell just the growth that's happened there. Uh, for me, something that's clear is we don't see the interest in expansion down in Mexico, right? I feel like on this show we do a, what was the last one, Milwaukee? Like every month almost there's a new USL, whether it's championship or League One, there's some new type of expansion happening. And that's, that's great for USL. It's also great for American soccer because now we've got pro soccer, Herc, um, in all those cities, in all those markets. That's great for the game. It's also great for development. We see something we will never see, I don't think, in Liga Mekis Expansión, selling players to exactly. Europe. Exactly. USL Championship's doing that right now, today, today. USL has sold more Mexican players to Europe than La Liga Expansión will probably ever mm. sell to Europe. Jonathan Gomez is in Europe because of USL.
Yeah. They, they can't get their own players from Liga Mekis to Europe. That's it. USL Championship. The winners, San Antonio FC. But uh, props to Louisville, not just for sending the uh, beautiful jersey. I didn't get a great season. San Antonio. Um, as well. Oh, well, there you go. San Antonio, well, you want to be on the right side of Football Americas? Send a, uh, what is it? You know who sends Medium? Large? Large these days. Large these days. Okay, large jersey for Hercules Gomez. One more bit of news, Herc, before we get out of here. Because it just got dropped tonight. Ashlyn Harris, longtime goalie for the U.S. Women's National Team, is retiring at the age of 37. She is a two-time World Cup champion in 2015 and 2019. Congratulations mm -hmm. to her and her congratulations to you. You have made it through the American-based part of Football Americas in 2022. Our next show, Thursday from Doha, the capital of Qatar. Are you ready? No. 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 I can't, I can't do this. Well, you I got 48 I hours I to figure it out. 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live from Doha, Football Americas. We'll see you then.